signs of the Southland, let's start at the top. Well, with a preview of what's to come when we talk about baseball, Jake DeLeo, Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Week. Mr. Purdy, give me that glorious stat line, if you will. This man had a lovely stat line and a couple bombs that were just no doubters the whole way. I don't know if they hit the, the football facility building or not. I was watching on TV. But I, I they looked long enough to where if they were on track, they did. They definitely did. Uh, it, it went off the Brock. Oh, very nice. Okay. They did do a couple Brock shot tweets. I was going to say, I didn't actually know if, it, if that was called a Brock shot, but in my head, naturally, it was like, they have to call these Brock shots, right? Like, there's, yep, anyways. Uh, yeah, he hit uh, one, uh, a 1250 slugging with five hits, three homers, six RBIs, six runs himself, and a 500 OBP. Uh, he, between his six runs and six RBIs, he was 12 of the 36 runs over the weekend. Uh, so, high high output weekend for, A, just the offense in general, but Jake, Jake was on a tear. Uh, which definitely contributed in a big way to the sweep this weekend. Yes, I was. You're welcome. Just kidding. That's not me. Oh. Oh. I'm getting booed off the podcast. What a great start. We're gonna cut not the, the first time. We're gonna cut swimming just for that. <laughs> that uh, you yes, and Michigan State both, man. <laughs> uh, hey. Gary Barda has entered the chat. Oh dear. Yikes. The Supreme Court has actually entered the chat because that did get referred that That's far right, up yeah. the chain. We need to stop talking about legal matters. Uh, let's walk on over to McCamish, McCamish Pavilion and talk about men's basketball. First up, they won 77 to 70 versus Virginia Tech and followed that up with an exhibition win over Florida Tech 79 to 56. Mr. Grant, you have the con for the Virginia Tech game. What say you? Um, I mean, I I think if anything, the free throw percentage should be considered a con. Uh, Honestly, both teams were awful from the line. But remarkably, Georgia Tech got 26 attempts to Virginia Tech's eight. That is like that is the that is the first time I think in the history of doing this podcast. I have seen Georgia Tech get a line. That's a lot of free throws. That generous. Um, I mean, they only made 14 of the 26. Uh, Virginia Tech made four of their eight. So, I mean, I guess that's that's a 10-point margin right there. But Virginia Tech's a bubble team. Virginia Tech's probably a better team. On, only five and ten in the ACC, which, I mean, if you have a losing record in, in conference play, maybe uh, conference championships are not for you. Or not conference championships. Uh, NCAA championships are not for you. But... Um, Anyways, uh, 15 and 11 Virginia Tech is, is still a quality team. Uh, we may have knocked them firmly off the bubble, um, almost as we might have done to Wake Forest had uh, that came come through in uh, in Tech's favor there. Uh, looking at the score sheet, I'd say it was a pretty balanced attack. You had five players in double figures. Uh, Javon Franklin with the double-double, he was uh, 10 points, 10 rebounds, uh, four of those being offensive rebounds uh, for some second chance points there. Um, He also had uh, five blocks uh, and one block assist. So great, great to see there. Um, I I think he's probably, at least uh, from my radio listen to the game, definitely uh, somebody that uh, that deserves a mention there. Debo had 21 points, though. It's his career high. Uh, that goes uh, is certainly something that needs to be mentioned. He was uh, 6 of 10, uh, 3 for 4 from 3, 6 of 8 from the line. So really, uh, really good job there. Drew five fouls as well. Um, so, uh, again, uh, pretty pretty good night. 
night for him. I believe that's his career high. Uh, previous was set against Lamar uh, way back in fall of 2021. So uh, kind of that Debo game, I guess we've all all been waiting for. Miles yeah. Kelly, 15. Lance Terry, 14. Kyle Sturdivant uh, with 10. Jalen Moore with seven rounds out your, your scores for Georgia Tech. Not much to say on the Florida Tech game uh, other than the fact that this was far too close for far too long until Florida State. You're rushing uh, me along Florida. there, man. You're rushing me along. Let me talk about the men's team. I mean, they're uh, they're both good, uh, both good wins. Uh, Florida Tech was too close for too long, but I want to make sure we get one point in edgewise. I know there's a lot of scoreboard to talk to, so I'm not going to belabor the point. This team is improving. Finally is an operative word there, but credit where credit is due. I think this is as good as we've seen them play all year, and it's their best win definitely since Miami. Not that there's been all too many of them, but what say you guys? I, I, I think they're kind of going in the right direction, at least as we look to to wind down the season. That's good, but I mean, the seedings are already screwed for ACC tournaments, so it's not like we're going to see much of it. If they win a game they shouldn't win in that, I'd be like, okay, that's that's something to me because we're, we're just this far this far down the road where it's like any progress is it, I mean, okay, well, it's just, the progress is good because I'm about to make a lot of the same points for the women's basketball team. Um, but yeah, I feel good. I, I'm glad Deepo got that game. I felt bad for him just like clearly being a guy that has the chance to do that and just time in and time out just couldn't pull it off and then just clearly was as bummed as anybody post in post-game press conferences about how the team was playing. So, um, I mean, granted, there wasn't many directions other than up to go after the Duke game, so it's good to see they at least are getting on the right side of the win call. I mean, they, they can end the regular season if... It, not that all these games are super winnable. Obviously, Pitt's a challenge uh, yeah. coming up here midweek. But Louisville, Syracuse, and Boston College are three games that Tech has some or at least a decent shot in. Um, if yeah. all those break the right way, that's ending the regular season 15 and 16 but with a shot to get a win or two um, playing really early in the yeah. ACC tournament. I think that's, you that's know, good. I yeah. mean, it's not the best result in the world, but team's kind of young. They're, they're, they're trending in the right direction yeah. at the very and least. The, I, the fr- I think... The front think, half of the schedule was also just really hard yeah. in conference plates too. So I mean, they kind of got. I don't know how many of these. I, would, I don't think you could call these schedule losses because it's not like the NBA where you're playing three and four. But mm-hmm. they definitely didn't exactly have an off game opportunity for a long time at that middle stretch. Or just one to figure things out against quality play in the ACC. Um, yeah, why, did, why didn't we schedule Florida Tech like two, three weeks ago? Come it's on, all about how the ACC schedule comes out. That's that something that, that Pastor plugs in. That was a joke. Afterwards. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, uh, I think finishing the regular season 15, 16, 14, 17 um, would not be – I mean, obviously, it's not ideal. You want to go to the tournament and, and, and all that. But this is – I don't know. I, I don't think that we can – we've kind of rushed past the point of our expectations for women's basketball being return to the tournament to – Will they ever get an ACC win to this is okay. They're failing fast. And I don't think that we're being consistent in how we apply that to men's basketball. So I do want to at least get my thoughts out there that it's like they're improving. And, you know, Wednesday was fun. I mean, Saturday, a little too close, a little too long. But I mean, I I think it's worth at least ruminating on a little bit. Fair point. Fair point, Mr. Purdy. Let's flip over to the women's basketball side. They beat Wake Forest 63 to 55 and then lost to Florida State despite keeping it close at half 80 to 66. Yes. In fact, having Let's... a lead 
it's part of it for I think in the second half of that game for a little bit too. Um, so like, it was yeah. I I, I thought the, the Florida State loss I actually saw was a big point of progress. Um, I put up a thousand words about the whole weekend on on the site just about like okay here's where we are here's what's good, and to summarize that in a way the win against Wake Forest was really fun to see. Um, arguably should have won that game earlier this year on the road. Kind of got beat out in the last second thing there, so that was frustrating at the time when the Tech just needed, and also that would have been their only road win at this point as well. They're one of the two or three ACC teams without a road win. Um, but it was just that they just needed to figure it. They needed, the big thing was is they had some major defensive flaws after the Clemson game and the one after it, which was Pitt, I want to say. Um, or whoever was after Clemson, I'm forgetting. Uh, but they really needed to just get better defensively, and I, and the effort was clearly there. They were doing so much. They were far more physical than they were in the two games before. Uh, and we're not losing not losing track of switches, all, all the various things you need. Um, and then Kara Dunn beat her own career high the next game and got to 21 points, which is really good. So she's shown he can, she can lead an offense in terms of being the scorer, which is really nice to see. Florida State, they have this girl named Tania Latson, who is, I thought, I thought, uh, oh, what the, the Notre Dame girl whose name I'm blanking on, which I, Olivia, Olivia Miles, I thought she was going to be the ACC player of the year. Tania Latson is something else. Have you, have you all seen either of those games against Florida State and seen her? It, it, it's insane. She's unbeatable. She is unbeatable. This was her. She scored thirty-one against us. That was her seventh thirty-point game of the year. I think that's the most in ACC history for freshmen. Something yeah, like that is the stat you know, that I. She's playing like a like a fifth-year senior, and she just got to Florida State. Like this girl is incredible. Uh, they average eighty-two points a game. We held them to eighty, which feels like a big win to me. That <laughs> we gave up ninety-nine last time. Like this is. A 19-point cut is not nothing. Um, so we stayed winless in ACC road play, and we're kind of stuck in a bad seating for the tournament now at this point. Um, but they're good. I mean, they're getting better. Like they're they're getting they're they're doing the thing where the Hawks were bad with in Trey Young's rookie year, but like they were supposed to be really bad because that's just how it works. This is how I feel about this with our freshman year as well. With the, all the freshmen on the team, like it, it's not going to be amazing. You're not going to have Tania Lotson. She's a major major outlier in this. Uh, but they're they're doing the right things to keep getting better and better, and the the payoff has been showing. Um, they I think they can win their first round game in the ACC tournament, regardless of who they play. Um, but once they get to play, you play a, anywhere from a four to a, no a five, six, or seven seed, I think, in the second round. So that'll be tough. I think, and Jake will touch on this a little bit when we're talking about the men. Like they're in the same spot, and I think yes, we have given the women a little bit more benefit of the doubt because of their relative youth, but I, I don't th- think that well, that's, I don't think that's a consistent position though, with all the transfer talent we brought in. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's really fair to treat them with two different measuring six. My, ex- my expectation for the women was to go back to the tournament and they're, they're not going to do that. Like, I, I don't know. I want to be no. positive about both teams. So no, no, no. I, I agree. The point that I'm coming around to is I think you can see there is a literal relative youth on that team. And especially we saw that in the middle chunk of the season where Swartz and Jackson just were not getting playing time. They were unplayable. And it wasn't even Jackson yeah, became they, unplayable at points and Cam can play herself yeah. into unplayable if she's too streaky. I think honestly at this point I believe I overhyped the two of them myself. Which Yeah. So we in so a big we, way. <laughs> so I mean but Cam have, Cam was an ACC first team player of the year. I, I, or first she, team Yeah, yeah. 
And she's player. gotten better in that sense. I, I I asked Nell about that. I'm like, she gets really streaky. Like, does she, and she wears tape on her shoulder. I'm like, does she have an injury we don't know about? She's like, no, it's just, it's just how she's playing. Uh, and she's I, I, she she wants the ball in her hands a lot. And this team is does a little bit better when they share the ball a little bit more. Also, um, but she these last two games though, she's done a lot better of like draining more yeah. threes more regularly. So I mean, that's part of that's just kind of part of the deal. Um, yeah. is you're gonna get a high volume miss, high volume make. Yeah, the, the point that I'm coming around to is that there is less overall youth on the men's basketball team. And I think that the pro in that case, your program has been trending in a different direction than the women's team has over the last three year span. So, yes, I just, it is an inconsistent. No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the credit. Like it is an inconsistent position. But I think one team has earned some benefit of the doubt based on past experience. And one team has not. That is the way that it works out in my head. And at least from what I can tell with how the the two coaches have felt immediately in those games after talking to both of them right after games, Josh definitely has to be been far more disappointed in his team than Nell has. Nell knows, like just has clearly known like what they need to do to get better. Josh Pastner said, I've tried everything. Yeah, there's like one coach that is at the end of his rope, so to speak, in terms of what he can do to make this team better. And the other coach realizes that this is a we're taking our lumps this year. We will be much better next year, better next year. And and they'll get better now, too. Like they'll figure like they figured they they did not leave the course. Like I I don't the confidence was definitely shot in some games, but they never exactly like they never folded like we saw the men's team fold. Yeah, it's just I want to I want to I want to put something out there real quick. Okay. You guys are, you know, men's team is, uh, you know, they're they're older. They're taking their lumps. I want you to take a guess what the average age or, or average experience level, sorry, of, of college basketball years. Both of these teams are older than you're giving them credit for. What, Jack, two, you want to take a guess? Uh, yeah, I'm going to guess like two, nine, three, five. Who? Do, which one's your three, five? Oh, it's actually going to be the woman just because of Hermosa and what Aeronauts, Cam, Bianca, and AC Carter, if not four. Both of you are, I, I don't want to say off the mark, but it's it's 267 and 263. Okay. The women have two, on average, 2.67 years of experience, and the men have 2.63. I, I think I, they're teams yeah. that are kind of in the same spot. And if anything, with the women having. Only twelve players. You have a couple: Bianca, Cam Schwartz. Yeah. Um. You know, I Aisha won't honor. But I I'm, I apologize. I'm so it's bad. a hard one. But Nerea Hermosa, like those are those. But between them, like outside of them, yes, very young team. But th- those are girls that are getting a lot of the minutes. I I just don't think it's. Yeah. I, 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 I my thought there is is there has been a very intentional transfer of minutes power. Yep. down the down the age group on that team and it was clear that that was the best way to move forward well, um, and and the men just had to do that starting earlier i think and that's why they're kind of now in the same place right like I, I feel like they're kind of both sitting in a pretty similar spot right at least as far as this year's concerned yeah, yeah. record wise record wise you probably couldn't tell that much of a difference unless you watch both teams regularly and saw what was going on also just the fact that there's just more attention to the men's team i think that that's an angle of bias as well that like you need to have more of a win now thing 
that's, yeah. that, that's going to play into it, and I think that's definitely played into it for me. It's it, like, oh, there's more attention here for the men. Like, oh, my God, they lost. And there's Two. also the fact that one – well, not just the media attention, but one um, – well, the ACC is now – was did not used to be as deep on the women's side as right. it was on the yeah. men's side. And yeah. this year it is that deep. Yeah, the, the women's team – take this women's team a few years ago, and they're going to win. Probably going to win more games. I I, I just, just I, I'm not trying to be the antagonist here, but I don't think that's true either. I think the men's sure. ACC's come down, and I think the women's. I mean, if anything, it's down a little bit too. Wouldn't, like, I mean, wouldn't it, that make wouldn't that make the men's team a little bit worse though? If the if yeah. the ACC's oh, come down no, for the I, men, and then they've gotten worse with it, even more worse. I I just I I don't know, man. I no, it's I like both the of these I, teams. Both I like of these the teams befuddle me, and I think that we've kind of spent the last like two months just kind of be like, "Yep, they're doing what they're doing," and. I don't know. I think they're both at interesting kind of crossroads, right? Like the, yeah. we're we're the, the the women went to the tournament last year, but you know they kind of were you know it's kind of troublesome down the stretch. And I think they're both kind of I, I don't know. They're both kind of getting to that same spot where I, I don't want to be like what's going to happen next year. There's still four or five games left for both teams, and it's just yeah. like well. Both me next and year's a- already the theme, right? Both me and Asa did basically say to the program, his, his was literally named state of the program, but like where we are now, articles that go yeah. far more deep in all this. People want to read those and get get more get more numbers and stuff around all this. Let's <laughs> move on. One quick update from the men's tennis team: they a couple of them appeared at the ATP Challenger event in Rome this past weekend. The number 10 seed, Andres Martin, defeated Colin Marcus uh, 5-0, and Marcus ended up retiring. Uh, And then Gabriel Brancatelli defeated the number 9 seed, Murphy Cassone 3-6-6-4-6-4. Interestingly, I don't think we've heard the name Brancatelli a a lot, even in the six-man rotation that we've seen so far early this season. So that is uh, something to keep an eye on for the future. But in terms of actual results, women's tennis had a two-set of matches this week, a 7-0 sweep of Gonzaga, and then a 4-1 loss to Athens. Mr. Grant, I believe you have some updates on the Gonzaga match first. Yeah, I mean, I uh, was nothing more than a scoreboard interloper uh, for these two, but uh, Gonzaga was a nice win uh, in, in terms of the action. It it was a sweep. Uh, sometimes I I wonder just uh, just how you know we get teams to come all the way across the country to play, you know, uh, when they're from Spokane. But the women are are good and kind kind of command that level of. Uh, you know, schedule pull, uh, but you got Gonzaga, like we said, seven zero sweep. Uh, I don't believe any of their doubles nor their singles were ranked. Uh, Jack, you can correct me if I'm off base there. Um, so. But uh, yeah, they, they got, they got things done against Gonzaga. That's kind of what we expected though. So, And then the weekend turned the page to number three, Athens. They ended up picking up one doubles point. They dropped the other two. Uh, and then they beat, they got a win on court one, they got a win on court four, they got a win on court six, and then kind of just, uh, it was kind of rough the rest of the yeah. way. Well, I mean, the court, court one and six games weren't finished yet. So, I mean, the, the, those weren't yeah. wins. 
Like they, they were winning. Oh, I, I see. Four, three. Look, look, reading is hard when you have to read to the all the way over to the end of the line to see <laughs> DNF. Wow. I'll read it for you since I, I, I in there. Uh, yeah, the Georgia got the, the Carol Dean Sherbro's line did not win. Bill Chevin Cruz's line two was winning, but did not finish because the third line of, of uh, Garcia Gross and Data. De, how do you say that? Data? Dejage. Gotcha. They uh, they lost six three, and so by the time Bill Jeff and Cruz are up five two, but either way, that wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So your so, win. so your singles Lee uh, DNF versus Ma, um, but was up in the in the third set. Uh, A good match, Nova. seven versus eleven, and they were one set apiece. Like that that was that was going to be fun. I, was I, I, I mean, like looking down the line here, even the second second court. Uh, Vidmanova versus Bilchev. That was a six-one, yeah. six-three. I mean, not particularly close, but that's even still. That's uh, within seven rankings. Um, number thirty-nine, Riasco versus Cruz, six-two, six-four. Um, Jane defeated Kowalski, six-four, six-four. Uh, Grant over Garcia Gross. Uh, that went to a tiebreak um, in the third set, or in the second set. Excuse me. Or, yeah. Tiebreak was in the first set. Um, that match. Uh, ended up clinching the match for Athens, and then Marsh lost to Niradorn um, six seven two five, and that did not finish. So rough, uh, rough day on the courts uh, in that one. But um, it's the number three team in the nation. Not a terrible showing on some of these, and also a, t- a no. t- really tough opponent, uh, even yeah. in the singles play. So, and Carol Lee was tracking to; she was at least up to one in the third set when they can't call that. I don't know if that was on serve or not, though, so I can't. Don't know if she was like clearly going on a route to win that, but at the very least, was leading when mm-hmm. they called that match. So there's it could have been like a five-two situation here. Yeah. Anything else to add, Mr. Rent? No, I think you guys covered it. Let's talk about softball. But right after this short break. Yes, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Section 103. And today, I just want to warn you guys, Section 103 is not shipping this week. It's very sad. But that is because they are taking a well-earned week off. Uh, So while you're thinking about it, while you're thinking about it, go Put in your order. Make sure it's there when he comes back. And they're all back in the store. But uh, shipping will resume February 25th. As always, you can get uh, a lot of cool Georgia Tech stuff. Uh, some of the best out there. If not the very best, uh, which I would, you know, in my opinionated capacity, definitely say so. Uh, and as always, free shipping on orders over 70 bucks. Be sure to order now so you can get it as soon as they're back. Uh, because, you know, can't get enough of that wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Welcome back to Science of the Southland. Mr. Grant, we spent a lot of time at Shirley Mewborn Clements Field this weekend. You especially probably clocked in a full 24-hour day of softball plus uh, two full sunburn layers of skin, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I can I can feel it in my face. It's uh it's very toasty. Uh so well we'll start earlier in the week though. Um softball went to Georgia State and notched a five-inning run rule win, 10-1, uh, on Tuesday. They really blew it absolutely open uh, at the end. It was pretty close early on. Uh, Mallory Black uh, lodged a grand slam in Panthersville, so that's always nice to see. And then, 
at the weekend, we had the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I think it's the first annual ACC Big Ten Softball Challenge. I'm first. not entirely sure. What? That was the first. What rock have you been living under? We've been doing this podcast for like five years. Uh, have they not done it? No. I did, did, it's, it's 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 back from the dead uh, or the COVID-related deceasedness. Oh. Uh, uh, I think I think it happened last year, um, but it, it definitely was a thing for a while. I know uh, we've had Boston College down uh, a couple of times, but uh, I personally was glad to get uh, Louisville just out of luck of the draw. So uh, it, it, it was a long weekend. I'm very sunburnt. I watched, I, I mean this with all love, far too much softball. Um, far too much Wisconsin softball from your notes here. If, if I see another game with them in it this year, it will have been too soon. I mean, I feel like between the Louisville and the Georgia Tech, in the Georgia Tech Regional, I've watched probably on aggregate more Wisconsin softball than either of the other two teams. Um, <laughs> there was an ACC Big Ten challenge in 2019. We played Nebraska and Iowa. Yeah, I yeah. completely memory hold that. That is wild. And and, um, and they've done it be- before then as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel lots, stupid. Lots of action. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois in town, as like I said, as well as Louisville. We caught Wisconsin in the first two games, Illinois in the second two, uh, with the uh, associated family-related commitments around Louisville softball. I was only able to watch uh, the Wisconsin Friday night game. Uh, I think it was four or five innings that I caught there, uh, and then just warm-ups for, for the other two, you know, having to come in and out, drive people to and from the airport, things like that. But um, uh, at least in that game, uh, I will say that it is kind of interesting that it was the two Wisconsin games that Georgia Tech was able to uh, notch wins in. This is a good team, as we know, because they ended our season last year, but they're also two and seven. So kind of kind of interesting that both of those wins came against Tech. And I would say two... Uh, the, the two of the three most, uh, I guess, one side. None of these games were all that one sided. All these teams look really uh, pretty much in, in the same lane. Uh, I think that there's no nitty gritty yet, so I haven't run my numbers, but I think Massey all had them between like 40 and 70 uh, or something like that. But um, yeah, two of the most one sided uh, games of the of the eight that were played uh, were were Tech versus Wisconsin. So kind of interesting there. Um, in, in terms of themes overall, uh, Illinois is a pretty solid hitting team that runs the bases pretty, uh, I would say, aggressively. Wisconsin had a little more pop to the bat. Um, it just in terms of in terms of my my watching, uh, I, I think in terms of vibes, it was it's pretty good. Not quite as as full as I expected, given that I think Akshay, in your experience and mine, it was. <laughs> Marked is sold out. Uh, so yeah, Saturday still- passes were sold out, and I had to pay $2 to get in the stadium for, quote-unquote, standing room-only tickets, of which there were and, many uh, actual seats. So I was going to say, I think you walked up and sat right down next to us uh, where we were at. So, you know, that's uh, un- unsurprising, but also kind of odd. Uh, kind of odd there. Like I said, um, if I didn't, Overall, Georgia Tech went one and three. Um, like I said, again, a, a lot of these games were coin flips. I think Louisville won, uh, won two in the seventh and one lost one in over, uh, not overtime, uh, in, in extras. Uh, in terms of overall over performance. Innings. Yes, over, over innings. innings. Uh, That's just cricket, baby. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. exactly. Uh, Tech lost uh, their, their second game to Illinois by a run. You know, a lot of, a lot of close softball. Uh, I, I think... It, it probably behooves us to start with um, 
with talking about the Wisconsin games, just because those came first. Uh, in terms of your pitchers of record, you had Blake Nellman getting the start in the first Wisconsin game, and you had uh, Kinsey Norton getting, I believe, the start in the second. Um, in the first game, Blake Nellman, three hits, three runs, three earned, two walks, six strikeouts in 4.1. Uh, she kind of spread those out, but ran into trouble in the fifth. Kinsey Norton came in. In release, in relief, uh, kind of cleaned up the mess. Um, Chandler Dennis did, did get the loss in that game. Uh, it was tied three to three going into the seventh before Wisconsin tacked on three runs. Uh, Sophia Voiles uh, came in and, and essentially got the seventh in the scorecard because uh, Chandler Dennis uh, allowed two hits, uh, three runs, three earned, uh, and a walk uh, before Voiles came in for a scoreless inning after that. So, Actually, presumably that was a home run. Um, I don't know if, uh, it was, if uh, you can confirm nor deny that. I, I don't remember, but it was just a very... I, I will say, just as a theme, this was a very rough weekend on the mound for the most part for, for Tech. Um, and I, I don't think that... I think that's the best way that I can put it. I, I, I don't think we can say anything overarching quite yet and I'll let you get back to your recap but um we saw a lot of pitchers that we trusted last year uh, well I guess the two pitchers that we trusted last year uh look not as nails as we previously expected um but again it's the second weekend of the season I don't think we can again we can't say anything definitive at this at this stage yeah uh I, I will note just based on how the box score comes across. I don't see any other way for that to be anything but a home run. So I'm going to amend my previous statement. Uh, one swing, one three-run home run. I'm still going to call that 6-3 game uh, a close one. Where it was less close was the 6-1 game. Uh, that was the second one. Wisconsin was actually the, the home team in this one because each each team got a home and an away against each opponent. Anyways, um, uh, in that game, I think it's also worth noting that kind of on that same thing, that pitching was a bit of an issue between uh, Norton and Nellman. They each uh, allowed three runs. Nellman, only two of hers were earned. Again, Voiles cleaning things up uh, late uh, late in the seventh, or I guess in the sixth. Uh, again, that's Wisconsin scoring late. A, a lot of these games had some some late runs, and and not to not to harp on the pitching, but it, it I mean. It was it was better in 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 the second two games, but even then, scoring, uh, you know, or allowing four runs in that last Illinois game is is not a ton. So I I think it's just a team that's figuring out things in the new year, right? It's it's something that we're probably going to be saying about baseball too is is settling into those rhythms uh, of uh, of a new season. Uh, again, you know, it's just it's just something they're they're gonna have to figure it out. Like that's just how it is. Dennis was better uh, in the first Illinois game. She pitched six innings and allowed two runs. Uh, none were earned though, so that is uh, worth noting. Kinsey Norton, uh, who's certainly settled into that solid uh, third role there, had a, a scoreless inning of relief in the win against Illinois, and then in the loss to Illinois. Uh, you had Blake Nelliman uh, kind of getting into some trouble early, uh, allowing a run, uh, didn't uh, record an out before Kinsey Norton pitched four, allowed two, and Chandler Dennis pitched uh, pitched two uh, and allowed one. So again, n- no particular big uh, big crooked numbers. I think the biggest uh, biggest inning by any particular team against Tech was three runs, but you know you just have to scratch a couple more across uh, if uh, if you're going to do that. 
the only other thing that I'll note is Paige Vukadinovich had a pretty good weekend, if I remember correctly. Uh, she, I, I, I have seen that Tech has been pretty aggressive on the base paths, especially earlier on in the lineup. Um, and I think you noted that as something. That was yeah, a whole I, broadcast point. like, they're going to steal. They're going to steal a lot more. Also, if we mm-hmm. just got top of the lot, like she's hitting first. She's hitting yeah, first. Yeah, she's, so she's, she's in the first spot of the lineup. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of rises. Triple against, uh, triple against Dylan was good. Uh, we'll also note home runs uh, have been spread out pretty well. I know that uh, just off the top of my head, I know Allen's at three on the year. Uh, Mallory, did Mallory, Mallory Black had a couple. One, or was that a big double? Um, I think she's had I, one. There was a back-to-back okay. somewhere in there as well. And then uh, Emikoff, I think, is that too. So certainly some power spread up and down the lineup, which is which is good to see. I think we just need to chain some more hits together. Like if, if you look at the box score, um, Tech had four hits to Wisconsin's eight in the first game, uh, six versus six in the 6-1 game. Like that, that's them getting, getting on base and, and getting some runners on the base pads, just not uh, lining them up quite quite as well eight hits against illinois and then uh five in in the four three loss so really they're they're in games and they're getting some runners it's just timely hitting right yeah that has definitely been a bit of a struggle um we'll just have to keep an eye on it um yeah like like i said i think it's far too early in the season to say anything definitive about some of these trends i think that there's like some stat for baseball uh in which it takes like 40 or 50 ABs uh, for stats to actually be start being predictive of future performance. Um, so, and like a similar number of innings pitched. So um, I think at that point, once we get maybe through, through the end of February, maybe like a, a week into March, we'll like be the, a, after that we'll first be. season or first series yeah. of ACC play, that's when we can start saying definitive things, I think. Yeah. We'll have a good look uh, after this next stretch of games in uh, where is it Boston or wherever we're playing so, or no Charlotte but yeah Charlotte, Charlotte. I do want to call out uh, one more great performance uh, to start the season so far I know we just said stats are predictive uh, but Grace Connolly uh, is uh, hey, I thought I saw her at three sixty something she was know, hitting three sixty something before Sunday oh okay well anyways. <laughs> Still good. Um, and, and I knew that I saw that number jumping off the page for a particular reason. Uh, Dobbins, Madison Dobbins was also 421. But again, statistical size on those, uh, you know, your your mileage may vary. So, uh, Last note on softball before we get into their schedule. Well, I guess this is part of their schedule. But for next year, they have been invited to the Clearwater Invitational. Uh, that is really, really big. It's the yeah, first time that they've been invited there. to this Specific invitational, but they have played in Clearwater invitationals of another stripe, other names before. Um, go for it. There's two of them. Uh, so Louisville actually opened in the other Clearwater invitational last weekend. I think that one was the one that started in Columbus and then moved to Clearwater, Columbus, Georgia. So, you know, good good for them that they can oh get in the. God. Uh, Why are there two that are, are they named the same thing? I I think one's Tax Act and the other's like I don't know if the direct sponsor is the NFCA, but um, I think the coaches this association one is, the tax is definitely. Act one. Yeah. yeah, Tax Act tax one act. is the big one. Tax yeah, Act is the one that one. we got invited to. Yep. Uh, yeah, the full field. We love it. The full field. Well, I have it in front of me: Florida State, Athens, Tech, uh, Kentucky, LSU, Minnesota, UNC, Northwestern, Ohio State, Stanford, 
Tennessee, Texas, UCF, UCLA, Washington, Wisconsin. The very funny part of the Georgia Tech release, uh, and this is the last time I have on this, is that they forgot that conference realignment is a thing. So they uh, said that the Big 12 will send two teams and the AAC will send one, which if you know anything about conference realignment in 24, that is absolutely not the case. Um, nope. Just to read out their schedule, uh, Tech softball schedule for this coming week instead of 2024, they'll play Kennesaw State in the midweek. Uh, they'll be in mm-hmm. Charlotte to pl- this weekend to play Boston University on Friday, Penn State and Kent State on Saturday, and then a Kent State and Charlotte doubleheader on Sunday. So uh, more competition upcoming, more data points, more invitational style non-con. Um, I'm interested. I, I want to see. I want to see them do well against some of these teams. Um, I have no idea how good any of these teams are. Mr. Grant, can you give me a brief brief summary? Yeah, let me pull up. So I know that I love my own ratings, but the NCAA has still not released a nitty gritty. Yeah, it's only been two weeks, so I'm not actually chafed about that. But um, in terms of what we're looking at for the others, I need to find my tab because there are so many. Uh, Georgia Tech will catch uh, four different teams. They'll start Friday with Boston University. They're slotting in right at sixth in the Massey composite uh, using Massey because Like I said, no nitty gritty there. Um, Boston University will be Friday night. We'll catch Penn State as well. Penn State's at 44, another quality mid mid to upper top 100 type type team. We've got Kent State. Uh, He just has them as Kent. Uh, They're at 161. We play them twice. uh, And then we finish things off with Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte's pretty good. Um, They were kind of in the mix uh, in their conference last year for... And I know we've, we're obviously mid-realignment, so those will be changing too, uh, coming up to the AAC next year. So, A, 2024. But uh, Charlotte's uh, right in there in the top 60. I think they're at 51 in Massey right now as well. Like we said, um, would love to know what the RPIs are there because that kind of is the the classic NCAA standard. But uh, all those teams are pretty good. You probably need to get two wins against Kent. But um, uh, just a nice... Nice mix of quality in there and, and should make for, you know, it's it's another one of those weekends where the top line names aren't that like, ooh, you know, it's not like, oh, we're playing Alabama softball or oh, we're playing Florida State or Oklahoma or whatever. But all these programs are uh, between pedestrian and, uh, you know, tournament caliber type teams. Speaking of tough competition, let's talk about the ACC Swim and Dive Championships that were this weekend. This is I'm sure Jake and Jack's favorite segment. Let's start with the let's start at the top. Let's start with our name brands. Denise Sertan won the thousand free and the mile free, the sixteen fifty free, both school records, and uh, the ACC's third ever female or Tech's third ever female ACC champ. Uh, Ray uh, Kuramoto hit a school record in the two hundred IM. Mark Kilavus placed second in the sixteen fifty free. Burke Saka was fifth in the 200 back. Elijah Clyer, a diver, was seventh, uh, placed seventh. And Anna Bradesky was fourth in the final uh, diving competition. Both the men and the women finished ninth. Mr. Grant, you first. How would you rate their uh, the swim team's performance at ACC's this year? I mean, I, I was kind of reminiscing on this on on Wednesday. But off off the dome, I cannot tell you the last time the tech women won, won an event at ACC's and then uh, Ertan went out and did it twice. So that is f- phenomenal to see uh, both uh, 
it, it was the 500 and the 1650 that she won. I believe the 500 was a tie coming down the stretch. The 1650 time broke uh, the thousand time. So the first thousand split uh, was a, was a school record uh, and the 1650 as well. I think they were both her records already. Um, so yes. yeah, that, uh, that, that's pretty darn good, uh, especially if only, I think in our notes here, it's Tech's third ever female ACC champion. Uh, so, you know, not uh, not too shabby. Like I said, couldn't tell you off the top of my head the last time it happened, but that's pretty rarefied air uh, for Tech's youngest varsity sport. Uh, women's swimming was added in about 0203, I believe. Um, but yeah, uh, I think uh, I think that leads the way. You had uh, some some fantastic finishes uh, really all around, but I think it's really that depth that uh, kind of led them to slot into in the ninth and you know that at least for the men that's kind of about where we had them last week when we talked about it the women that's that's above it so uh you know you're you're in a crowded neighborhood when you when you go to ACC so not uh again not something you want to just write off but I, I know Jack there's plenty of other folks to talk about you got you got thoughts yeah sure I was going to mention the the men were squarely in ninth in terms of points they were about 40 points behind UNC and 150 points ahead of Duke so they yeah. were Squarely, the women, on the other hand, were just barely ahead of Miami by six points uh, for mm-hmm. ninth place, but about fifty-ish behind Notre Dame. Uh, so mm-hmm. a decent, a decent spread there. Women, um, most of their points came from realized for the guys. It was mostly individuals. Um, yeah, I, I well, we, that's it's not it's not a UVA pod, but I, we did hype that up a little bit. The UVA women won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They won fifteen different events. And set NCA records in one, two, three, four, five of those events, and this isn't even at the NCAA's yet. So they're they're doing what we thought they were going to do, which was they have all the same people, they went faster, and they could still go even faster. It's an absurd yeah. that I think it was the 400 IM t- relay team, the Warner Medley relay team is an absurd. That was I've never seen a swim like that, or I haven't seen a swim like that in a while. Yeah, Kate they're, Douglas they're... is an absolute monster. Kate Douglas is insane. Her and Alex Walsh both got both won every event they got, uh, so they both got ninety six points apiece individually. Um, they the UVA women also set the points record for uh, the ACC meet. They scored fifteen hundred and thirty six points, which was three hundred clear of NC State, who still did great. Um, and NC State won the guys meet by six hundred points over Virginia Tech. Um, that team will not be as good next year because that's a senior heavy team. So we'll see how that goes next year. Um, but although super senior could still exist, so yeah. <laughs> We'll see 15, they... 1,600 points is like seven straight years of Georgia Tech women's finish. It I know. Is, yeah, no, they it's they, colossal. The UVA is, is UVA women are just it, it's just ridiculous how good they are. Um, I, I mentioned this before the pod, but I just that'd be fun to mention here. There was a girl on swim, one of the writers for Swim Swam did the theoretical if Kate Douglas swam all four legs at her fastest of the 400 Bedley relay and they would be faster than every team except for UVA's team. So, like, already approaching the NCAA and U.S. Open record just by herself. Um, mm-hmm. So just, it, it's truly ridiculous how insanely good they are. Um, it, I mean, it's I would kind of stupid. Watch the, yeah, if you didn't watch this, watch the NCAA meet, because the women's NCAA meet will basically be a proto-Olympic trials for next year and in Indianapolis when all those girls are going to be there trying to make the Olympic team. And fewer events that they can swim in NCAAs, but it'll be just as good of a meet if not better and hopefully they'll go faster well and 
and they won 15 events. That's like more than Tech has ever won in all women. We've won, and maybe as we men said, combined. three, three like, individuals have won for the women ever in school history. At the day, they won 15 yeah. in a single beat, which is yeah. what um, they did last year too. Yeah, I do want to say a couple other names that 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 jumped out. Patur uh, Unlu, he got uh, second place in the uh, 500. Yeah, 500 uh, of note this time. And I believe, yeah, um, Ertan's time was also a B cut. So you're seeing top tier ACC times, not counting for automatic consideration. Uh, this is where yeah. we dovetail into a brief, uh, hopefully not too wordy explanation of what the heck all that language means. Uh, basically, in the NCAAs, uh, A cuts are automatic qualifying for nationals. B cuts are consideration. If you get an A cut, all of your times qualify for uh, anything you have a consideration cut in the NCAA will take all those automatic qualifiers and then they will make all the events the same number of swimmers uh, that will uh, then unlock some B cut swimmers. And if you get invited, you can then swim any event uh, in which you have consideration. Gents, I know that's like 30 seconds. Did that make any sense? And do I need to do any more elaboration? I think that's consideration good. is just the B cut, right? Yep, yep. That's the B cut uh, relays. You need the A cut to swim, uh, to swim relays. So I, don't know that we ha- we would have any advancing there. If you qualify, you're in. If you're on the border, just see where the gaps are. Yep, ex- exactly. Mr. Grant, our ratings update, if you will. Yeah, quick ratings update. Uh, of note, the uh, Big Ten men, the Pac-12, and the Big 12 uh, are yet to swim. The Ivies, ACC, SEC, and the Big Ten women are already done. Yes, I included the Ivies. Yes, they are swimming's uh, sixth power league. Uh, the men are sitting at 29th. The women are at 47th. That is up a decent amount uh, from where they were uh, a week ago or two weeks ago when we ran this. So that is good to see. But like we said, we do have a couple uh, big names still in action with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Next up for the entire nation, uh, diving zone meets and then a last chance meet coming up for Tech. So um, interesting couple of weeks ahead. We have NCAAs in just under a month. So we'll keep an eye on that. Any other notes on swimming competition before we move on to track and field? Yeah, the last chance was TBA at event TBA. Uh, so, yeah. One quick note on track and field. Field. They will be in Louisville for ACC Indoor Championships starting Thursday and through the weekend. We'll have something on them next weekend. So let's head over to golf. Today was the second day of the Water Sound Invitational. On the first day of competition, Hiroshi Tai hit a 68, played his entire round under par, and was tied for sixth at the time, along with Tech's team being tied for first. After today's competition, that is no longer the case. They're tied. Well, they are at second, eight strokes behind number one, Vanderbilt. Mr. Grant, any other notes? Yeah. uh, Also in the mix are a tech set number 12. I don't know if we said that, but uh, they're ahead of number 11 FSU by four strokes Uh, in terms of the rest of the field. You've got Alabama. That's number 17. Uh, They're down in fourth. Uh, They're ahead of them by seven mississippi state is in fifth they're number 24 you've got nc state uh notre dame number 36 oklahoma state number 16 weirdly at plus five oklahoma state's good golfing school that's kind of odd um clemson uh is at number 40 in the rankings they're plus 
seven Virginia Tech plus twenty three Air Force plus forty five. So a lot a lot of good competition. Uh, Tech uh, was up there with the best of them, but no longer are. But they're, they're sitting in second, and it'll be uh, interesting to see how they round things out. Uh, well, by the time you guys are listening to this today, and finally, baseball. We teased it at the beginning of the episode. We made you wait the entire episode to get here. Georgia Tech baseball started season this weekend. It swept the Miami Redhawks, but that sweep was not without its fair share of drama. I am emoting with my hands for dramatic effect on the Zoom call. Podcasting is a visual medium. Tech won 15 to 12, 5 to 4, and 6 to 8. Let's start with Friday, because that, I think, was the not only the, the season opener, but probably the most notable, notable of these games, just for what it almost turned into. Tech put up 13-run lead in the first two innings of this game. Oh, right. And oh, we were goodness. all excited, mm-hmm. being like, okay, this year is going to be different. It's going to be all offensive firepower. And then Miami starts putting together a little runs. You know, Dawson Brown gets a little shaky. And then they Miami loads the bases one time. And then another time. And then they hit a grand slam. And then by the end of the game, it's 15-12. And you have someone, some poor kid on the mound sweating out a sweating out of what ends up being a save. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a mess. Uh, uh, yeah, hey, no, I, t- I, I knew they got up big, and I I, I forgot why I stopped. I think I just had to be somewhere, so I stopped watching after it was out big. So I just didn't even think about the fact that, like, oh, right, we were up 13 nothing. Terry Busey looked good in that one inning. I, I don't think he sweated that out. That was one hit, one run. Well, uh, or, no, one hit, no runs. His uh, first ever save. Three strikeouts. Like that, It should not have been I, a that, save. That, that was the least concerning part of the pitching performance. It was uh, the fact that most shocked or not shocked concerned me was that of those 15 runs that came on five Miami errors. Um, those nine runs and then the four in the second. And and then again, it was, th- it was 13, five after three. So yeah, you get five, five right back. But um, yeah. no, the, uh, I, I thought it was uh, more, I guess. I mean, it's, it's concerning that Dawson Brown, you're, presumptive starting Friday starter gave up five runs in, in two and two thirds. Um, but then Noah Samol giving up six in one and two thirds also concerning. Um, that was uh, a six run sixth and a five run third for Miami to match Georgia techs. Uh, well, mostly match Georgia techs nine run first and four run second. But, um, but yeah, the bats were quiet down, quiet down the stretch as well. They, they did all their damage, uh, in the first, uh, in the first inning, I said it was thirteen five. It was fifteen five. I can't count, but um, surely no one would blow that large of a lead. Yeah, uh, of the of the eight runs, uh, Tyler Chadwick, the Miami starter, allowed um, only two of them were earned. Five yeah, walks. Mean, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of walks, lots of like that. That second baseman who started the first game was not having a great time. Um, the wind. I think it's also important to know it was windy. the offensive power, yeah. firepower, especially on Friday. The wind was blowing straight out. Well, um, into, I think it right into right field. So anything that was hit and hit the jet stream carried and carried hard. Which interestingly also meant that it was blowing in at softball. Sorry, 
random. Yes, that's but a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's that's out. That's out in the shortest part of the park in 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 uh in Rush Chandler, and then in in softball towards. I mean, it's yeah. all short in softball, so it's not really much there. But yeah, ridiculous weather situation on Friday. Also, was disgusting Friday. That's also why I wasn't gonna go. I'm like, I'm not sitting outside for this. Like, well, speaking so speaking of, remind me I have something at the end that is t- completely unrelated to Georgia Tech baseball, but I don't want to forget it because it is related to Georgia Tech sports. Um, yeah, no, not to not to dwell and uh, you know uh, uh, ruminate too hard on Friday's performance, but it, it is worth noting that uh, uh, Luke Schmoke, one point one, uh, he walked three guys, but uh, didn't allow any runs. So uh, good job there, but but Busey certainly the the shining spot out of uh, out of the Friday pitchers, Aiden Finitary, led up uh, one run in two and a third. So not uh, nothing too crazy there, but you know, just things to keep things to keep eyes on. Um, in terms of performances, you had Christian Campbell come out of the game early Friday uh, with uh, with injury. Uh, we'll we'll see what we can find out there. Uh, and then also Sunday, in terms of on the theme of injuries, you also had Akshay. Was it going into Second base. Luke Thompson pulled some sort of leg muscle sliding into second. He limped off the field. Uh, we had an amateur medical assessment from a friend of ours uh, that said if he had torn his hamstring, he would not have been able to straighten out his leg. But he was, you know, he was limping on the leg. He was able to move it. He was able to bend it. Um, this from the guy who didn't get into med school this year. I don't know if I trust that. You know, meds, getting into med school is difficult. I'm not. I trust. I trust it. you. I also said it was amateur. Hamstring. I like, noted it was an amateur medical assessment. We're I off the rails no here. Let's talk about baseball. My goodness. I make yeah. no promises, but yeah. So uh, I think uh, Campbell's injury was more minor. Um, I, I believe there was some comment about him being more day to day, and we'll get an update on him soon. Um, Compton, obviously, with that, with the way that that looked, did not look like it was going to be minor at all. That is going to be a bit, uh, a bit longer. Uh, we'll just have to see what the latest update is uh, from Danny Hall and Co. Uh, and we'll get one, assumedly. I mean, that they played tomorrow, or yeah, tomorrow when you're when we're recording this today, when you hear this uh, in Statesboro. So we'll hear, and, we'll hear something or see something. And that that guy, Drew Compton. Uh, before we get too far away. He was three for six with two triples on Friday. Uh, that's pretty darn good. As we noted, he was legging out a double on Sunday. He was one for four with uh, with a double. You finished the weekend. I think that makes him, uh, I'm going to do some math. That's like five or four for 13 with three extra base hits. That's that's not a bad, uh, not a bad showing uh, at the plate. We saw a number of debuts as well but uh one uh i guess not debut that i want to note is john geesler i don't think we talked about him very much last week he went three for four on sunday he got the sunday song uh is batting 556 uh through the season thus far so yeah good good, other, good showing from john couple other notes uh on sunday against the Bottom of the barrel of Miami's pitching. We got a bunch of other freshman debuts. We saw Riley Stanford, Carson Sabathia, um, forgetting another freshman's name, uh, Tyler Hare, like a, a bunch yeah. of guys that are that are young. They may some of them may take a redshirt year once we get to conference right, but conference play, excuse me. Um, but a lot of guys that a lot of people are excited to see, especially Stanford and Sabathia. Um, so it was good to see. It was good to see them get out there, but uh, even the the, the 
Sunday game turned into a little bit of a mess near the end. It, and so did the Saturday game. Anyway, the, the, all of these games were filled with drama in some way, shape, or form. Um, Tech has Tennessee Tech coming up this weekend, so hopefully that is a much less low, a much lower stress level than it was this weekend. Gentlemen, any other notes on baseball before we start wrapping up? Yeah, um, I just want to round out some of the pitching talk. Uh, ben King, two innings, uh, scoreless on Saturday. Joe Manley cleaned things up uh, by inducing a double play on Saturday as well. And then you had um, a good, uh, I'd say good sh- good showing start. Uh, Jackson Finley on Sunday, one run in, in five innings pitched. So that kind of Rare cleans up my thoughts. designated hitter-pitcher combo in college, Jackson Finley. Works for me. Good stuff from him. Uh, rounding out some of our other news items. Hockey, do we have a playoff update? No clue. We'll find out later this week. Uh, men's lacrosse absolutely sat on Bama away, 22-2. to Women's lacrosse played its only home games of the year versus Tennessee and UAB. We don't have results for you. We'll work on that during the week. I think that about does it in terms of news items, unless one of y'all can think of another one. They're putting solar panels on the wreck garage. There's your campus construction update. Oh, oh, Ooh, oh. campus construction. There is uh, some sort of roof work yes. at O'Keefe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, whether that's it's not AC even the... related or just general roof repair related, unclear. But eventually we'll find out. I don't think we talked about this either. Uh, new dorm going in next to Woody's 862 oh, yes. beds. Desperately needed. Uh, tech has relied on the private market to uh construct a lot of the housing that's gone up lately so we'll be good uh we'll be good to see uh some some freshman beds i'm sure they you know there there's there's a need there there's no there's no no room left to build tech housing anywhere else so no. uh you know this can is really one of their last uh, can only build yeah. up from here so and i don't think they're going to build too far up on main campus so this is going to be it's going to be it where yeah, all right, it, is it on the same Woody's footprint? Or are they putting it in the parking lot where we always wanted a soccer stadium? Parking lot uh, between Eighth Street and Northside, mm. Woody's, and whatever that one is out there. I'm hoping that it opens up Eighth Street uh, all the way out to Northside. It kind of plugs into the, you know, the West Midtown, I guess, right. side of side of things. But I mean, G Dot will never let them put a stoplight on that road. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Strodes are a plague on this economy. I think we are running very over time, so we may not have time for for our trivia this week, but we'll save that for next week. Mr. Grant, take us home. Yeah, uh, very sad uh, not to do that trivia, but it'll be a good one next week. Keep an eye out. For that, uh, as always, you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. Uh, we post a lot of other content between the three of us and the rest of the staff uh, that go up, not just with this podcast, but on really everything related to Georgia Tech sports. Um, for those of you that want to find us, we really appreciate your feedback. In fact, at softball this weekend, I had some listeners come up and uh, chat about the podcast. So great to see. Uh, in terms of other ways to contact us, uh, we do appreciate the feedback and are always uh, down to hear it uh, from the rumble seat at gmail.com. You can find us at FTRS blog at Jake Grant 98 is me at Jack Nicholas for Jack. You can find section 103 at section 103 on Twitter and section 103.com. You can find us Facebook and Instagram at from the rumble seat and podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold until next week. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good luck. Go jackets. <laughs> <laughs>